0: How's it going guys, this is Garrett Corpenning for Locked On Clippers, the official Los Angeles Clippers podcast of the Locked On Podcast Network. In addition to this show, I cover the Clippers for Clipperholics, which is fan one and only Clippers blog. You can find me on Twitter at G-A-Corpenning, that's G-A-C-H-O-R-P-E-N-N-I-N-G, there you can feel free to send me questions, comments, and anything else you feel relates to LA Clippers basketball. Welcome back to today's show guys, this is my third episode hosting Locked On Clippers, I'm excited to be here, hope you enjoyed yesterday's show and the show before, and I'm excited to get started talking about today's topics. To start things off today, I'll be evaluating whether or not the Clippers should pursue Paul George this summer. Secondly, I'll talk about Tyrone Wallace in a new weekly segment called Player Showcase. And to close, we'll take a look at the first few games in the second round of the NBA playoffs. So to start today, we will be talking about Paul George. Um, You know him as the forward for the Oklahoma City Thunder. As you might know, they just were eliminated from the uh, first round of the NBA playoffs to the Utah Jazz. Um, George spent most of his career with the Indiana Pacers. He was a promising small forward there. And despite that gruesome injury we saw him come down with in USA Basketball, George has bounced back very well and has gone on to become a very, very good star in today's NBA. So Paul George might be heading to L.A. this offseason. We've heard a lot about this. Uh, pretty much all season long, and even when he was uh, leaving the Pacers and going to the Thunder in that surprise trade there that sent Victor Oladipo to Indiana. Um, George has been linked to the Lakers for a long time, and, and while his going to the Lakers might be a safer bet than him going to the Clippers, there's certainly still a chance of that happening. So we just need to make sure that if he does go to L.A. and choose to forego his final season of his contract and enter the free agent market, he goes to the right team in L.A., so let's get right to the numbers. Paul George averaged nearly 22 points per game this season, along with 5.7 rebounds and 2.3 assists in his first season with the Oklahoma City Thunder. He shot 40% from the three-point line, 43% from the field, and 82% from the free-throw line. Uh, those numbers are especially good for George, as his three-point mark was the second highest for his career this season. Uh, his previous high was 40.9% a few seasons back for the Indiana Pacers. Uh, George has a $20.7 million player option for next season, And if he declines that, he'll likely be looking for money elsewhere. In addition to those averages this season, George is also a three-time member of the NBA's all-defensive team, so he's one of the league's uh, premier two-way stars as well. Um, This contract does create a little bit of an um, issue for the Clippers. It makes it a difficult task for them to pull off, because straight up, the Clippers cannot afford him next season. Uh, Going into the year, the team has a little bit over a million dollars to work with, and Considering George is going to be looking for upwards of $20-$25 million, uh, that's certainly not something the team can pull off straight up. However, if DeAndre Jordan walks, that'll clear up a little bit of space, um, but it still wouldn't be enough to sign George, so a few other moves will have to happen as well, primarily by way of trade. Uh, The Clippers have just nine players signed through next season right now, um, and that does not include DeAndre Jordan, Austin Rivers, and Milos Teodosic, who all have player options for the following season that they have not made a decision on yet. I don't know if you read it yesterday, but Wesley Johnson just opted into his um, player option for the next season. It's a $6.1 million option. Doesn't take up a lot of space. And for the uh, value he provides, that's a really pretty solid um, player to have come off the bench for you, uh, especially at that price. So Clippers would have had eight players signed for the next season yesterday, um, nine now with, with Wesley Johnson coming back. So it's probably safe to assume that Rivers does come back next season. The same goes for Teodosic since we didn't see much of him this season due to an injury and those sorts of things. But when we did see him, I was really impressed with what Milos was able to pull off. Uh, his numbers weren't what I expected from him. I thought he'd be a little bit more of a scorer, and his average numbers would be a little, uh, his assist numbers would be a little bit higher. Uh, but considering it was his first year in the league, higher competition, uh, and the injuries he sustained, I think Teodosic did an excellent job, and I'm looking forward to seeing him come back next season if he does. Um, their contracts, you know, Rivers and Tados, which would combine for a little bit over $19 million, which is about $5 million less than Jordan's potential 2018 2019 season salary. Uh, there's a whole lot more that has to do with the salaries in this situation, like holds and bird rights and those sorts of things. But for the sake of complexity and for the sake of the unknown, I'm not going to get into those things today. Uh, a lot of these potential ways Clippers could sign someone like George are extremely dependent on a few key moves like renouncing Jordan's hold at a precise time on a certain date that make it a tad too difficult to predict. And like I said on Tuesday, we still don't know what DJ even wants to do. There's been no word about that. So I could get into a few scenarios where we could see something like bringing George in, depending on, you know, seven, eight moves that have to happen in a certain way. Um, But like I said, for the sake of not knowing what the future holds and for the sake of complexity, I'm not going to get into those sorts of things today. Uh, George would fit in very well at the two three or the four um three positions he's played at in his career before meaning the team wouldn't necessarily have to move uh tobias harris or danilo gallinari uh, to fit him in the starting rotation but if george does come in and play the two we can assume that austin rivers and Avery bradley would almost definitely be moved in addition to deandre jordan clear proper space um bringing george off the bench for harris or gallinari really isn't you know a plausible move um while well, George has the potential or George has the power and ability to start over Paris. Um that's not really something that I see the team doing. Uh moving George to the two would be a great option. You can still have Lou Williams off the bench for him, which um, you know, we saw worked excellently last season with that um that roster. Uh but starting Austin Rivers or Avery Bradley uh, just wouldn't be um something the team could do next season if they if they brought in George. Uh so it's it's a long shot. It really is a long shot to bring in George, and especially playing with two like that. But it really is pretty fun and pretty great to imagine a team that has that kind of length those positions, because you would have well one you'd have Patrick Beverly at point guard, who's a little bit of a smaller guard, but with his intensity, you know, he plays bigger than he is. Um, George and Harris both measure in at six foot nine, while Gallinari stands six ten. So at the two, three, and four, you have guys that measure six nine and above. Uh, that kind of length isn't something that most teams have would certainly make for uh, a lot of mismatches and for some potentially great defense on that side of the floor. Um, Signing him would limit the team's chances of grabbing a solid center via free agency if DJ has to be moved, um, which would would leave a sizable hole on on both sides of the floor. Uh, DJ's defense has been vital for the Clippers the past few seasons, and he wasn't as impressive on that end of the floor last year, but still, Jordan is one of the league's premier defensive centers. Uh, with his size and his shot blocking ability. Um, so Montrezl Harrell could play the five with Boban Marjanovic backing him up, though, which isn't a horrible option. Uh, we saw Trez play some center last season, and while he's primarily a power forward, he certainly could pull it off, uh, especially in little spurts there with Boban backing him up if he needs it. Um, the Clippers could also grab a center in the draft this season, like Robert Williams uh, from Texas A&M, who is projected to fall well within their range. Uh, he's actually been... Um, <clears throat> Placed in the Clippers in several mock drafts that I've seen this year, uh, Robert Williams, he's 6'10", um, power forward and center from Texas A&M. He plays similar to D.J., not a great outside shot, but he does have more range, uh, great shot blocking potential, great defensibility. Uh, if Clippers don't end up grabbing a guard or a forward in the draft, Robert Williams would certainly be a great option, um, especially if D.J. is on his way out. So George, you know, he'd be a huge signing the Clippers, especially if they are not able to get a hold of Kawhi Leonard. And I want to make it clear that you shouldn't see George as a backup option necessarily to Kawhi Leonard. Um, both guys aren't on the same level in terms of ability and those sorts of things. They are both all-stars, but Leonard is held a little bit to a higher standard than George is. Um, so it isn't a guarantee that, you know, it's not even a guarantee that you get George in the first place. And because George might be able to do just as much as Leonard, I don't want you to see it as a backup option. Instead, look at Leonard and George as more like a 1A and 1B sort of thing uh, there's separation there, like I said, but getting him instead would be far from a disappointment. So, moving on from Paul George, I'd like to introduce my Thursday segment, which is called Player Showcase. Uh, during the off-season, Player Showcase will focus on either a player on the team's roster from last season that played especially well, or a potential free agent target, or a new signing. During the regular season and playoffs, Player Showcase will essentially be a Clippers Player of the Week segment, and around the trade deadline, it could be about someone the team should consider trading for. If your company is interested in advertising to men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked On Clippers is listened to by 98% men and 80% of those men between the ages of 18 and 44. If that speaks to you, if that's a base you want to advertise to, uh, give me a holler. You can email me at gcorpenning at outlook.com. That's G-C-H-O-R-P-E-N-N-I-N-G at outlook.com to get things started. Our rates are very reasonable, and I would love to do business with you. Coming up, I'll take a look around the league and talk about the first few games from the second round of the NBA playoffs, but first, I'll be going over Tyrone Wallace's first season in the NBA and why the Clippers need to bring him back. Tyrone Wallace is a guard from California. He made his NBA debut earlier this year in a home game against the Golden State Warriors. He scored 13 points in that game, and less than a week later, he dropped 22 on them at Oracle Arena, a victory in the same game in which Lou Williams scored 50 points. Prior to that, Wallace was playing all of his games for the Agua Caliente Clippers of Ontario, LA's new G League team. He played in 26 games for the AC Clippers, averaging 22.6 points, 6.5 rebounds, and 5.3 assists per game. None of that really matters anymore, though, because now we know that Wallace is a stud. Like, a legit stud. One that has a lengthy future in store in the NBA. Clippers' job now is to sign him and make sure he spends at least part of that future in Los Angeles. The two sides were reportedly negotiating a contract in early March. And for a while there, it felt like Wallace was going to be a Clipper uh, for a few years to come. And this is something that all the fans, at least I know, that were uh, really, really excited about this. Um, from what we saw this season, Wallace was a really, really fantastic player. He played 30 games, started in 19 of those. And his averages weren't super high, but he was a really a versatile guy that, uh, you know, on the defensive end, offensive side of the floor, his play really changed the game. And the Clippers had a, a winning record when he was on the floor. So, bringing Wallace back would be a great move for the Clippers, and, um, yeah, for that time being there, I was really sure that something was going to happen. But a few days into the month, it was reported that Wallace had turned down the team's offer. Uh, According to Clutch Points' Tomer Azzerley, the Clippers offered Wallace a four-year deal. However, only the first year of the deal was fully guaranteed. Uh, And considering Wallace had done such a good job with the team up to that point, the offer had to feel like a slap in the face. And it makes sense as to why he declined it. Um... You know, given the cap space the team had at the time and given the roster situation and the, the direction the team was going trying to make that push to the playoffs, I didn't understand why that was all the team chose to offer Wallace. Um, but maybe they knew something we didn't. Maybe something's going to happen this offseason. You know, we'll just have to wait and see. But I'm hoping the Clippers will offer him a contract with a little more security this offseason. Uh, you know, Wallace certainly proved his worth to the team, and I feel like he's worth a lot more than that sort of offer. Um, given he'll probably provide more next season than Reggie ready So that'll do it for this week's Player Showcase. Uh, I'll keep you in the know with that situation as time goes on. Before we close today, I'd like to talk about the incredible games we're getting from the second round of the NBA playoffs. So if you're an NBA fan that only watches the LA Clivers, I understand that, and I am with you. And if you only watch the NBA playoffs and you're when they're in them, then power to you. But I gotta tell you, you guys are missing out on some serious, serious action, okay? On Tuesday night, LeBron James did the impossible, like he does so often, in Toronto, willing his Cleveland Cavaliers back from a 14-point deficit to a one-point victory in overtime over the Raptors. He sunk shot after shot in clutch time, hitting the game-tying bucket with 30 seconds remaining. Uh, the Cavaliers won 113-112, to 112, and the Raptors will seek revenge today at 3 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, this is a series that I was looking forward to in particular. Um, LeBron did everything he could in the first run against the Pacers and kind of squeaked by him, and so I was expecting the Raptors to come out with a little more force in game one and uh, sustain that 14-point lead that they had built up um, about halfway through the game there. But, you know, LeBron is LeBron, and he always finds a way to win games in the most incredible fashion, really. And uh, he had a fantastic game again, a triple-double. Uh, so, you know, it's it's hard to it's hard to bet against LeBron James, especially in a series like this with the Raptors, where uh, they, you know, they're coming into the series a better team, but we've seen the Raptors have some disappointing playoff performances over the years. So uh, as that series develops, we'll see what happens there. Um, my prediction, I think the Cavs are going to win this one in six or seven games. If game one was an indication, it's going to be a close series all the way throughout, and I hope it stays that way. Um, we have a, we've really had a lot of great playoff games uh, to start this um, this postseason. Hasn't been a real high number of blowouts. Um, and it seems like when you had a blowout, there was almost a blowout. The next game from the opposite team to kind of even out the blowout. You know what I mean? Um, and there really haven't hasn't been a high number of sweeps either. I believe the Pelicans uh, had one of the only sweeps in the first round of the Trailblazers, in that series uh, that made it fun because that wasn't what everyone expected. So I think that even though it was not the closest series Uh, it's still made for some interesting games and people wanting to see you know could the Trail Boys win one or two or the Pelicans really gonna take the whole thing like that Um, in addition to that you know uh, the Houston Timberwolves series probably the most disappointing most boring of the first round I'd have to say Uh, the Timberwolves did win one game there but for the most part it was just Houston all over them Um, but the second round of the playoffs especially has been entertaining so far I'm really looking forward to seeing how the Celtics and 76ers series plays out. Um, the, sec- the 76ers lost the first game to Boston on Monday night, or Tuesday night. There, one of those nights. Um, and I really wasn't expecting that. Like, Boston pulled it off in the first run against the Bucks, And, you know, Boston's coming in as, even though they're high, the higher seed, they're more of the underdogs in the series since Philadelphia looks so complete against Miami. And Boston is missing their two superstars in that team, and Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. But... Boston looked very good in that game. Um, that series continues tonight, and looking forward to seeing how that one plays out. Former two time MVP Stephen Curry returned for the Golden State Warriors on Tuesday night as well, willing the Dubs to a five point victory over the New Orleans Pelicans. The Pelicans have been a surprise this postseason, like I said, for sitting the Portland Trailblazers in the first round and making things difficult for Golden State. Uh, still, though, Curry scored 28 points in 27 minutes, putting the Warriors up 2 0 in the series. Um, I want to hear what you guys have to say about that series. I'm looking forward to seeing how Dalton plays out as well. Um, I really think the Warriors are going to you know, be dominant again. They're probably going to make the finals again this season too. Um, but the Pelicans could make things difficult for the Warriors, maybe win a few games there. Um, I just don't see them you know, coming out on top of a team that has Steph Curry back now, has a healthy play Thompson, Draymond Green looks good, and Kevin Durant. Uh, despite his numbers not being super impressive in the postseason, he's still Kevin Durant. And I don't see how the Warriors can blow that one. But crazy things have happened. So, And then last night, the Utah Jazz stole a victory from the Houston Rockets on the road, winning 116-108. to James Harden had 32 points and 11 assists for the Rockets, while Chris Paul chipped in another 23 and 3 assists. However, it was Utah's Donovan Mitchell and Joe Ingles that stole the show combining for 44 points and 13 assists. Ingles had 27 of those points. Mitchell had 17. Uh, Alec Burks also scored 17 points off the bench for the Jazz. That series will resume on Friday night in Utah. This series, I think, is a must-watch for Clippers fans, um, especially since Chris Paul is in it. But it's a great series so far. It's really um, it's it's really interesting to see how this, this one plays out, since you have the Rockets, who won the most games in the league this season. You have the Jazz, who for the second half of the year, looked like, you know, the best or the second best team in the NBA. Uh, their defense with Rudy Gobert back now is, is impenetrable. Donovan Mitchell making a name for himself, potential rookie of the year candidate right there. Um, Joe Engels catching on fire and just being a three-point shooting wizard that he is. But I really think it's a must-watch for Clippers fans because Chris Paul is in this series, and as we all know, he was you know our hero for the longest time there. And the thing that we all heard about Chris Paul while we were fans was that one, he's never made it past the second round of the playoffs in his career, not just in LA but also in New Orleans. Uh, two, people say he's never going to get a ring. So with the team now that has James Harden, Clint Capella, and a coach, a great offensive coach, great offensive mind, and Mike D'Antoni, uh, the Rockets are in the best chance, are in the best position they have to make a run of the finals this year. And it's probably Chris Paul's best opportunity as well. Um, but we heard a lot about this Clipper curse back when he was there, a lot about the, the Chris Paul curse and those sort of things. So it'll be really interesting to see if the Rockets can pull this out and Chris Paul can finally get to a conference finals uh, for the first time in his career, potentially even the NBA finals. Um, we all know Chris Paul has a fantastic postseason um, record Despite losing all the second-round games, he, he's great in the first round, getting the second round, uh, just can never really win those Game 7s or Game 6s that he needs to. But his ability in the playoffs uh, certainly doesn't diminish. He, he's still the same player that he is in the regular season, if not better. Um, so seeing what Chris Paul does in that series is interesting. He's, he's looked great so far, looked like the Chris Paul we've, we've uh, come to know. So I don't know who you're rooting for in that series. You might want to see Chris Paul keep on losing after what happened last summer. You might want to see him finally win something for once. Me, I'm kind of in between. I don't really have a, any bad blood against Chris Paul. No grudges held there. You know, he he came in and and did everything he could, uh, given the assets in the team those sorts of things. But you know, it really just would be nice. Um, it, it would be great to see him, to see him finally get past that that block he has there in the uh, second round and and see him succeed because. Chris is a great guy, he's a fantastic athlete, he's a fantastic player, and and despite what happened, you know, it's hard to see over those sorts of things. So guys, that's going to do it for today's show. Um, thanks for stopping by, I appreciate you guys again. If you listen to the past two episodes, I appreciate you as well, and I really hope you guys stick around for more, because I have some great things coming for you guys. Uh, tomorrow I'll talk about Lou Williams' career year, take a look at the most recent NBA mock draft, and where they have the Clippers selecting and who they have selecting and also do a weekly news roundup like I'll do every Friday. Thanks so much for listening today, Clipper Nation. Once again, I'm Garrett Corpening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. You can find more from the Locked On Podcast Network on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and other online podcast platforms. I'll catch you guys tomorrow.